the web's Michael Smith. I have a question for you for episode 142 of the Canes cast. What's that? Are we going to be zooming a draft around here? It's going to go. We're zooming towards a draft. We are. We are. Rapidly zooming towards October 6th. And the NHL draft begins virtually. Not in Montreal in June like we originally expected it. 2020. Not, Not what, what we originally expected. <laughs> exactly. But what we do expect is Storm Brew to be extra crispy because it's the official beer of the Carolina Hurricanes and the proud sponsor of Canescast. It's a crisp, light lager made by our friends at R&D Brewing right here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Just 97 calories and 2.4 carbs per serving. It's the perfect brew for all occasions. You can find it at most major retailers in the Triangle. And uh, when you do, you'll see a new can design with a... Uh, the Hurricanes logo right at the top. Crispy, light, refreshing lager. Find it in any of your favorite grocery stores. You can find it at Costco. And if they don't have it, ask for it. I'm sure they will be working on getting it to you. That is Storm Brew. Delicious Storm Brew. And cannot wait till we can all enjoy one of those back here at PNC Arena. Yeah, hopefully it'll be uh, soon. And if they don't have Storm Brew, you could always pick up 7 Saturdays, 12-pack of that, delicious IPA. Uh, They also have two new seltzer flavors, Isla Lemon Raspberry and Isla Tropical, which we have both sampled, and thumbs up from us. Oh, yeah, big thumbs up. And I am not exactly, as I've said before, and I'll say it again, not exactly a seltzer drinker, but that might at least convince me to drink the the seltzer coming from R&D. Yeah, very tasty. Uh, so thank you to Stormbrew for sponsoring the podcast and uh, providing crispy, delicious, crushable beverages. So crispy. For us all. Exactly. Thank you. And hey, I got something in the mail this week. Did you? I did as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was the Perfect Package 3.0 from Manscaped. Uh, that Perfect Package includes the Lawnmower 3.0, the Crop Reviver, the Crop Preserver, uh, also got a snazzy pair of boxers. Yep. And uh, a little travel bag, too which, you know, I think is going to be perfect for whenever we're able to travel again. Exactly. I mean, this is a great kit. And a t-shirt as well. Yeah, a t-shirt as well from our friends at Manscaped who are here to shoot a top corner beauty and deliver the best tools for your below-the-waist grooming experience. Absolutely. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest trimmer ever created and just released, as Michael said, the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. And it's simply the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Uh, ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your snags will be reduced. Uh, and that comes, like we said, in the Perfect Package 3.0, which you can find at manscaped.com. And hey, here's a deal. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code Canes at manscaped.com. You can't beat that. No, take advantage of it right now. This limited time offer from Manscaped at manscaped.com. 20% off and free shipping with the code Canes at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com just by using the code Canes. This hockey season, folks, upgrade your blue line and choose Manscaped for your most important grooming needs. Thank you. Thank them. Yes, thank you, Manscaped. It is actually a really cool kit. You know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for good packaging, and no pun intended. And, well done. <laughs> and, uh, Thank you. And the way this comes in the mail is uh, is really nice. You open it up, and it's a nice presentation, and everything is situated just right. And and the little travel bag that oh, yeah. you have for all of your equipment and all of your traveling needs. Again, 
when we can be on the road again, that is going to certainly be in my suitcase and ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got another award winner on Kane's cast today. Kane's cast is really bringing in these high profile award winning guests. We had Ian Van Gundy, the brewmaster from R and D brewing. And today we have an award winner right here from the Carolina hurricanes. It's Pace Sagister, who is the director of communications and team services for the team. Uh, so he'll be here soon to talk about, um, all that goes into yeah. his job and, uh, the Dick Dillman Award, uh, which is awarded to one team in the Eastern Conference and one team in the Western Conference uh, by the Professional Hockey Writers Association, recognizing outstanding PR work in the Carolina Hurricanes this year, uh, the winners of the Dick Dillman Award. Yeah, so we will talk more about that and the, the guys behind the scenes who do not get enough recognition in that department. Of course, Mike Sunheim heads it up with Pace Agaster and Mike Brown. Uh, all three do just an incredible job to make sure that Everybody's informed on the Carolina Hurricanes. People are where they're supposed to be when they need to be there. And, of course, the team services aspect, when and if we go on the road again, there's hotels and meals and everything else that need to be taken care of and transportation to and from. Yeah, and we uh, we get into that a little bit with Pace, um, especially to talk about how different this year is because, uh, you know, obviously usually by now, late September, we're playing preseason games. The The regular season is probably a week and a half away or so. Um, this year's a bit different, so everything that, that the PR department is doing right now is, is a bit different. Um, if you're interested in hearing more about that whole process, we talked with Mike Sunheim on episode 108, of Kane's cast right before we went on a long road trip. So he kind of gave you the, uh, the inside scoop about all the logistics that go into, um, uh, a road trip with the team. And, um, uh, that was right before that was right before our Western road trip. Oh yeah. 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 A lot of things you don't count on can pop up too on those road trips as well. That's very true. Yeah. Might even get into that with pace. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, uh, that happened. And then, um, if you go way back in the archives, episode nine, we spoke with Kyle Hanlon, um, who was Mike Sunheim's original partner. Yep. Um, so he gives, uh, if you want to dig way back into the archives, who knows how the Kane's cast sounded back then? Pretty much similar. Pretty to much today. the same. Yeah. Pretty much the same. We had uh, Kyle Hanlon on uh, to talk all things. Oh, just how the business had changed. And think about that now in the last two years. Three years since we've had Kyle on, how much everything has changed, how you conduct interviews right now because of oh, yeah. the circumstances that we're in and, and moving forward. And uh, I, I don't know if we're going to see things stay the same. I don't know if we're ever going to get back to how the, the way things were, Michael. There's there's a lot of questions that are going to need to be answered by the time we get to the next hockey season. But as the recording of this Canes cast Episode 142 here on September the 28th. It's a Monday. There's a Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Final that needs to be played between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars. Quickly, who do you got, Smitty? Tampa. Sticking with Tampa. I they wrap it up tonight, or are we going 7? Well, I honestly thought they were going to wrap it up on Saturday. Um, gutsy win by Dallas um, to help force 6. I don't think it goes 7. I think Tampa closes it out uh, in 6, but... Uh, regardless, I think Tampa comes away, whether it's tonight, whether it's in game seven, I think Tampa hoists the cup, fulfilling their destiny from April of 2019 when it all came crashing down. As you said, it's the University of Virginia men's basketball team revenge tour part two. But it has been a lot of fun. Oh, goodness. Watching Dallas scratch and claw their way in this series. 
one of the things I, I always expect out of playoff hockey, I expect there to be a certain level of physical play. Intensity. A certain level of excellence, exactly. too. Exactly. Oh, there are those who truly demand a certain level of excellence. Thank you. But I'm talking about like physical intensity gets ratcheted up a notch. You know, players who you don't think are going to, to deliver hits or do things like that start to do that. I didn't expect the series between Tampa and Dallas to be nasty. Yeah. I expected it to be physical, but this series pretty much from game one has been nasty. And I don't know if it's because two teams have been quarantined for over two and a half months and, you know, we're just getting all of the aggression out right now. And the reason why Tampa doesn't really play that way. They have guys who are physical and can hit. And Dallas has guys who skirt to the line in the regular season. But in the Western Conference final against Vegas, they didn't do any of that. You know, they didn't react. They didn't do anything after the whistle. They kind of, I, for lack of a better term, they kept their cool and, and let Vegas get frustrated. And they didn't react to that. This series has been nasty. There have been big hits and chirps and everything that goes into it and some stuff after the whistle, some stuff before a face-off on the whistle. It's just been entertaining to watch. And, oh, and I was I was a little worried, I have to admit. I was a little worried about the quality of hockey we were going to see through all of this. But the hockey just kept getting better as we advanced through this tournament. Yeah, it's been great hockey. And, you know, we've said it before, a credit to the league, a credit to the Players Association for pulling off this tournament credit to the players and coaches yeah really without a hitch um you know you're two games away from or a game away from awarding the stanley cup um and you know to 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 have this happen in the in the manner that it did how quickly it came together the efficiency the 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 health and safety of it all um you know i was there i can speak to it it was uh an unbelievable job by the league um proves that a, a bubble uh, when applied correctly, can work for a a postseason tournament. Um, you know, we talked about it last week on the podcast. Not as ideal for a regular season, but I think you're seeing that a regular season, a somewhat regular regular season, can be executed effectively in the MLB, in the NFL, um, and I think that uh, the NHL is going to be watching, um, especially the NFL, closely as we get farther into the fall, farther into flu season, farther into the winter to see how that shakes out. And uh, and that's really going to, I think, steer the league uh, into the 2020-21 regular season, uh, which, you know, they're, they continually say they're, they're pushing for 82 games. They're still hoping to start on December 1st, but I don't see either of those things happening. Um, as we talked about last week, uh, but until we but until we get a schedule, until we hear some things, uh, you know, for certain, um, it's all a guessing game. And that makes it hard on a lot of facets of the business operation, a lot of facets of the hockey operation. Um, and Pace Sagister, who's the director of communications and team services for the Carolina Hurricanes, has some firsthand uh, experience and knowledge in that area. And he's also one of three uh, in the Hurricanes PR department the winners of this year's dick dillman award we talk to pace right now joining us here making his canes cast debut and michael smith we are in the presence of a winner another award winner another on the podcast. award winner on the podcast he is the director of communications and team services 
and recent recipient, along with the PR department of the Dick Dillman Award, which goes to the best PR team in the National Hockey League. He is Pace Sagister. Pace, thank you for joining us. Guys, I got to say, winning the Dick Dillman Award, that's a great honor, but it pales in comparison to the honor of being on the podcast. Well, it opens up the door for you. That's what it is. We'll make sure he gets his $5 for saying that. (laughs) After the podcast is over. I say you you better be paying that one up. I did not agree. <laughs> Lunch is on me. <laughs> any paid performance here. But Pace, first off, what does that mean? Because you have been uh, in the National Hockey League for quite a few years now. Uh, this is the second organization you worked in. You used to work for the Caps in, in their PR department. You win the award here with the Canes. Just one, what does this award mean in, in the NHL PR community? Yeah, it's a, it's a tremendous honor. Um, it's voted on by the... Professional Hockey Writers Association. Um, and I think to me, that's what really, um, it, that's the true honor is that it's not necessarily your peers voting for you. Um, it's an organization like that that, um, you know, we have so much respect for and um, we work with so closely. Um, for them to vote and say that we're the top PR department in the Eastern Conference, um, that obviously means a lot. It's something that um, we've been striving for here. We strive to be the best. Um, we finished runner-up the past two seasons, um, so to finally break through and and uh, win the award this year, it was really exciting. And um, we actually we found out um, while we were in the bubble, we found out just before Game Five against the Bruins. Um, and Mike Sunheim and I, we had a we shared a, a big hug because we knew that um, you know that's something that we had been wanting for a while. So yeah, tremendous honor. And speaking of the PR department, there's a. Uh, three-headed monster of the PR department that makes that happen. And Pace just mentioned Mike Sunheim, who's the Vice President of Communications and Team Services, and then the incomparable Mike Brown, who is uh, with Communications and Hockey Ops as well. How much of a team effort is it? And you you have to find a way to get along, and sometimes there's some tough situations and circumstances that pop up in your job. Yeah, I mean, it's it's when you, when you take into account um, – all the things that we have to do on a daily basis here, it's truly a team effort. Um, you know, Mike Sundheim, he is, is truly one of the legends um, in the industry. You know, he's been here for 20 plus years and he's, he's done it at such a high level for so long. Um, you know, I'm certainly part of his, his coaching tree, um, learned nearly everything I know about, uh, about the industry and about the NHL from him. Um, and then, you know, with, with, with Brownie coming, coming over from Boston, um, I mean, he's what really, you know, I think put us over the edge. He does so much behind the scenes. The guy just grinds and do, does it without any of the pomp and circumstance. You know, um, he doesn't get to get to do some of the cooler things. Um, he does all the grunt work. And I mean, that's what makes our department um, so good is that, you know, we all we all have our roles and we just, you know, put our heads down and work hard. And it's uh, it's a really good team we have here. And it's nice to get some recognition for that. You started here uh, as an intern a uh, handful of years ago. Um, what's that been like, the process of being kind of a, a homegrown product uh, growing up here in the state and then um, going to UNC, fellow Tar Heel, yep, and then nice. uh, ending up here as a, a full-time employee? Yeah, uh, I think you nailed it there, saying, saying homegrown. Um, you know, I, I had never watched a hockey game on TV, let alone been to a game um, before the hurricanes came to town. Um, I'm from Fuquay, Verena, just south of Raleigh. And, um, you know, we, we were a big sports family. And when the Canes came to town and, 
in 99, we were like, you know, let's go check this out. This is close. Let's go see if this is something we're interested in. Obviously fell in love with the sport and fell in love with the team. And, um, growing up, like the, the hurricanes were my favorite team. And, um, it's just, it's what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be a part of this organization. Um, so going to, going to Carolina and I was lucky enough to get an internship with, with Mike and, um, his, uh, former right-hand man, Kyle Hanlon, um, and truly just to use a, a word from trip dug in and, um, the great pace. Yes. Wanted, dug in. wanted to learn, um, wanted to learn everything I could from those two. And, um, yeah, they just, they really took me under their wing and, and cared about me, the person. Um, so when the job with, with Washington opened up, they, they pushed really hard to get me that opportunity. And, uh, here I am today. I mean, that's, that's, that was everything. It, it's funny to think back on how, um, you know, when, when you work for a, a pro sports team, it becomes more than just your job. It, it's your whole life. And it's funny to think back on the, how differently my life turned out because the hurricanes came to Raleigh than maybe it would otherwise, you know, this is, this organization and this team is my whole life now. And, um, yeah, I'm certainly homegrown. So this, uh, the Dickman award, uh, honors the work of outstanding NHLPR staffs. Um, what, when you look back on this season, this wild, unpredictable once in a career, probably season, um, hopefully does any, once in a career season, yeah, just saying fingers for crossed, all of us. uh, what is, uh, what are some moments that, that maybe stand out, um, whether they're related to your work in PR or just moments in the season that stand out to you? I mean, I think the, the biggest one that we'll all remember for the rest of our lives was the legend Dave Ayers. <laughs> um, that was just such a surreal experience from, from start to finish. Um, <clears throat> You know, when you see when you see rhymes go down, I had to run down to the locker room, and um, you know, that's one of the things in PR. When a guy gets hurt, you have to run down to the locker room and, and you know get an injury report and send that out to to all the local media there. Um, so I was in the locker room, kind of dealing with what his his status was going to be. When I came out of the locker room um, that intermission, I noticed that um, Bob Gorman was sewing up the nameplate for Davieers. And, you know, uh, another part of our job is, is the team services part. And uh, I was so invested in trying to figure out what was going on with Rhymes. I was like, oh, my gosh, I completely forgot. We have, a, we have an emergency backup here I have to go talk to. And little did I know in that moment how different, like, that night was going to go and the organiz <laughs> how our organization was going to change moving forward. I mean, it's, that's definitely the... But if, uh, I could, if I could jump in on that moment, you know, you've got a million things spinning in your head. I had just done the walk-off interview and Bob Gorman is there sewing the nameplate. And Pace turns. We have the camera there. He goes, this could be a really good shot. And so that's why we had our camera guy. There was Bobby Gorman sewing the, the nameplate on because Pace had and gave us the opportunity to go and film that and whirl around and just be able to put that on tape. So it's being in the moment, which, like you say, those are awesome. But then the moment afterwards, how much do you take joy and celebrate with that? Because you are part of the team and part of the guys. Yeah, I mean, that's that's – you know, I, I kind of equate it to your wedding. Um, there's there's a few moments in life where when you're in them, you think to yourself, this is something I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. Like when you're, a lot of times when the moment's over is when you look back on it and you're like, wow, that was incredible. That was one of those moments where like when he was taking the ice, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. You don't know how this is going. We needed those two points. Like we <laughs> needed to win that game. And you're like, I can't believe this is happening. So um, it was, I just... I was able to kind of take a step back and be like, you need to remember this. You're going to need to, 
to soak this all in. And, you know, from the moment that he stepped off the ice to all the way two days later when he was in the arena getting mobbed by fans, it, it was a whirlwind, but that's, yeah. that was definitely the, the highlight of the season for me. Well, and you got to accompany him to New York, too, in his big media tour. So how was that uh, escorting him about the city with uh, – you know, one of the biggest celebrities of the the hockey universe. So the, the funny thing about that was I had been on the road with the team a good bit leading up to that. Um, and we hadn't had a, a day off, an actual day off in so long. And I was so looking forward to that Sunday. And I told my wife, I said, all I want to do today is sit on the couch and watch this NASCAR race. I don't want to move. Like, I'm just going to sit here the whole day. And about five o'clock, Mike Sunheim called me and he said, do you think you can be on a flight to New York City at 7 to go on this media tour with Dave Ayers? <laughs> and again, how do you say no to that? Yeah. It's, it's one of those once-in-a-lifetime things. And when we had a ball, I think we both were just running on pure adrenaline. We were exhausted. Um, the, the best story about that day was we had an insane morning. It started like 5 o'clock. We were doing um, the Today Show, uh, Fox and Friends. It was It was every minute was coordinated up until about lunchtime. And then we were supposed to finish and fly home but we had another opportunity with NBC Nightly News and while we were filming that um, at Rockefeller Plaza the Colbert show called and said we want to have you on we have a really good idea for this and so I went to Dave and I said I know you're tired I know we want to fly home if if you're willing to do this this is a big deal this is the number one nightly show in the U.S. no that doesn't mean much to you but this is a big deal he didn't even hesitate he said let's do it and he really embraced that day and embraced the opportunities he had and um, we had a very very late flight home we actually flew back to Raleigh with Brady Shea uh, landed about midnight and uh, hit the ground run the next day too so that was that was quite the whirlwind being in New York City with him doing all those stops yeah that's right because that happened the weekend of the trade deadline so you pick up a newest hurricane and, and bring him back to Raleigh and so there's all this press attention around that and then Dave Ayers has a little mini press tour here um, and that whole week just had to be a blur but at least you got to rest after with the all-star game and and the bye week that was right. a, a welcome break that was yeah what a, what a funny day in in Hurricanes history because I'm with Dave Ayers in New York City doing these crazy things and I'm checking my phone oh we got Sammy Votten and check my phone again Vincent Trocek check in Brady Shea just what a wild day that was for for the team well, the other side, though, it's not just PR and making sure that, you know, me and, and Michael Smith and the, the rest of the media knows what's going on. You do team services, and for people who don't know, it's booking hotels, meals, all of those things. At what point, you know, is one take priority over the other? How do you balance that act between all of the media requests to making sure we have everything checked to that when we go to Calgary, we have a hotel and meals and everything are ready to go? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where having a really strong team and a really strong department comes into play. Um, Mike and I, we split the travel, which I think is, is necessary for our families and for our own sanity. Um, but it's it's a huge undertaking before the season, um, booking all the travel, booking all the meals, uh, flights, buses, hotels, things like that. Um, one thing I like to say about the team services thing is it's, it's 99% preparation. So by the time that we get to the plane for a road trip, 99% of it's done, and I feel really confident about that. I've, I've contacted the bus drivers, the hotel, um, you know, the flights are all set up. The other 1% of that's just the execution, and that's, you know, making sure, going down to the meal and making sure that Justin Williams has his beats for his salad, yep. 
um, you know, things, little things like that, making sure there's pizza post game for the guys to, to get them refueled. Um, as far as balancing, you know, it becomes tougher in, in big market cities on the road. Um, that's why in the playoffs, we're, we're fortunate that two or three of us are able to travel. Um, but you look at, you know, the Dave Ayers game, for example, there was so much media there. It was hockey night in Canada. It was a Saturday night. So that alone was going to be a huge, a huge thing to deal with. And then he goes in there and we're trying to fly home that night. So I'm running around trying to take Dave Ayers from, from scrum to scrum, these huge major national media hits. And in the meantime, I having to set a bus time. I'm having to make sure the pizza's there. I'm having to make, make sure that the, the flight crew knows that we're en route. So um, that's, that was probably the toughest situation that I can think of where you have to balance the two. But um, that's why it helps having, having such a, a good team and a good department that we have. And going through customs, too. Oh, adds yeah. a whole new wrinkle Always to fun. the travel. For sure, yeah. And, and, you know, we've teams have been traveling to and from Canada for years now, and it's still there isn't really an easy way to do it. Sometimes you just have to, as Justin Williams would say, eat a poop sandwich <laughs> uh, and, and deal with it and get back a little later than you'd hope to hope to. Thank you. Uh, there is a, another moment that I recall when you talk about things that you've done or the memories you have Pittsburgh going to Boston and a bomb cyclone hits on the East coast and basically freezes out the Massachusetts area. And we don't have a hotel. The, the team has, and I say we because Michael Smith and I were on the road for this, there's no place to stay. There's no practice ice the next day. There's You're trying to figure out what's going on in Boston and Pittsburgh. How does that day work, and when did you get off the phone? I'm assuming at about 1.30 in the morning when you go to sleep. Yeah, I mean, that's a true nightmare in every sense of it, which <laughs> is funny because Mike Sunheim was actually supposed to be on that trip, and he came down with a very severe case of the flu and had to miss that trip, so I got thrown on at the last second. Um, but... He was incredibly prepared for the trip. He had seen the forecast. That was a huge um, deal in the weather community, that big storm that yeah. was coming. So we knew we knew it was coming. So we were able to prepare as much as we could, but it, we didn't know that we were going to stay over until pretty much during that game. Um, and we had the conversations before as much as we could, but that's a situation where I was very thankful that uh, Mike was back home because he was working the phones during the game and working the email during the game while I was doing the PR things. And, um, we just got lucky with the hotel in Pittsburgh that they were able to, to keep us one more night. Um, so we scrambled and had a post-game meal for the guys and changed the flights. And, again, got lucky enough with the weather the next day um, that we were able to still fly into Boston. Um, but that's actually that, – that was a crazy story too because everything was good to go and we get on the plane and we're about to take off and the pilot says, hey, we can't, uh, we can't land in Boston. We have to change airports. So I asked him, I said, how far is this, this new airport from the other one? He said, it's an hour. And I said, how long is the flight? He said, it's 50 minutes. So I'm like, okay, thank you. Immediately I have to get on the, get on the phone with the yeah. buses. And it was a scramble for the buses to get to our new airport in time because the flight time was a shorter amount of time than it took for them to drive. So I'll never forget the feeling. We're in the middle of this blizzard and we land on the runway and we pull up. And literally as our plane comes to a halt, the gates open and the buses drive out there on the tarmac. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe that all worked out. So yeah, that was a nightmare and our head was spinning, but we were very fortunate there. So you mentioned uh, the team services part and how a lot of it is preparation. A lot of it, a lot of the preparation typically takes place in the summer around the draft when you have meetings with um, hotel folks from around the league um, and you, you go ahead and, and, and book those in advance because we know the schedule and we know the travel arrangements and all that. How different is it this year? Um, 
with all the uncertainty surrounding next season, and obviously we don't have those typical draft meetings, how different is the preparation this uh, this off season? So the all of the planning for the next season usually happens around the draft. Uh, we'll go to the draft location a week in advance, and we have lots of meetings with uh, various hotel staff in different cities around the league, and it all culminates in the trade show where you have pretty much a representative from each hotel option in the entire league and every city's there. Uh, and you can go person to person. We have a rough draft of our schedule by then. If not, it's it's near finishing the schedule. And we're able to give them our dates. And uh, then the following two weeks, you work with them on rates. Um, you figure out the best location for your team. And then you go into working on meals and meal schedules with them. Um, and usually within two weeks after the draft, we are completely set for the season on where we're staying, the meals that we're having, uh, the flights, the buses. So we have no idea how this is going to work moving forward. This is just another wrench that we have to, to figure out how to navigate moving forward with this next season. Obviously, the draft is coming up very soon, and there's no trade show. Um, it's going to be very difficult to book a hotel when you don't have a schedule as well. Um, so looking forward, whenever the schedule does come out, who knows what the next season is going to look like, but it's definitely going to be a mad scramble in order to figure out where we're staying, who we're staying with, when we're staying there, and not to mention the meals and buses and everything else that kind of trickles down from there. All right, not to get you in trouble, but do you love Zoom right now, or are you going to be so happy when we can do face-to-face interviews again? I think that face-to-face interviews, in-person interaction is critical to what we do here. You look at a guy like Andrei Svechnikov, who has a massive personality. He is hilarious. He's growing more and more comfortable with the language with each passing day. He's the type of guy who, you know, he's a cornerstone of our organization moving forward. He's the type of guy that thrives off of that one-on-one interaction. And maybe that humor doesn't come through on Zoom uh, that it would typically uh, in person. So, you know, I hope that we're able to find a way to maybe let the media inside the locker room and continue those relationships, but just get away from, you know, these big scrums on, on Zoom. That's I don't think anybody really wants that moving forward. Unmute your line, please. Thank that's, you. Yeah, and, and the little things like that, that's <laughs> yeah. very frustrating. So he is the Dillman Award winner for the Eastern Conference. By the way, congratulations to your counterparts on the Western Conference, the Minnesota Wild as well, for winning that. And uh, I know I speak for Michael Smith, but he can add on to this for sure. The work that you and Mike Sunheim and Mike Brown do behind the scenes, it is tireless. Uh, a lot of times it is thankless. Uh, there are a lot of people who expect things, and uh, I, I don't take it for granted. The job you guys do is 100% first class the whole way. And if you ever have to deal with the Carolina Hurricanes, you know that's absolutely true. It is well-deserved. And uh, here's a guy who took care of all of my luggage. Uh, you don't sign up for your broadcaster having to spend the night in a <laughs> hospital or a few days in California. And uh, Pace took care of my luggage, took care of my car, uh, took care of everything on that end. Mike Sunheim and Mike Brown, everything they did on this end, I cannot thank you guys enough. It's something that I do not forget about when you talk about in the moments, uh, but I don't forget about all of the people 
who were there, and you even tried to get back to see me in the hospital uh, and wisely did not get in the emergency room. You let Michael Smith do that. Yeah, they were very strict about who to let back. And then they they kicked me out. (laughs) Well, uh, but that's just, I wanted to share that story. Uh, And that's going above and beyond the extra mile, things you didn't have to do, and you, you handled all of those things personally. And I don't even remember what my room looked like when I left. I can only imagine for you boys, but uh, I, I thank you and uh, a well, well-deserved and earned honor. It's not one of these things where this wasn't a lifetime achievement award. You guys earned this award, and I'm glad that the NHL and the pro hockey writers uh, recognized you and Mike Sunheim and Mike Brown. So bully thank on you. you, good sir. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Obviously, uh, you know, we're only as good as the people you're surrounded by. Uh, you two make our jobs a lot easier on a daily basis. I am a huge Canes cast fan, and yes. this is truly the honor of a lifetime. So thank you, guys. We'll have you back next week. Yeah. <laughs> Weekly guest now. be a theme, Done. yeah. Absolutely. Done. I'm in. I'm free. All right. Thanks, Pace. Thank you. That was good having Pace on. Always. It's been a while. Uh, you know, get, getting to this point, to, to uh, him making his Canes cast debut. Maybe we have him back. If you enjoyed that, let us know. We'll certainly have him back. It's very easy to have him back. Do a segment on pace. On pace. Weekly. Touching pace. Wow. No, I'm going to avoid that one. No. Social distancing, by the way. Still maintaining it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Could you uh, do me a favor? I want to get to something uh, that we were talking about before we brought pace on. And by the way, uh, again, I cannot thank the the PR staff enough for uh, what I went through Coming up on a year, Michael. Yeah. Coming up on it. Yeah, we are. Feels like a lot longer than that. Yep. But um, there's so many people behind the scenes to think uh, think about and thank uh, for what they, they did. Uh, I, I could never, I'd be writing thank you notes every day. I pretty much did for a long time. Um, but it, it's one of those things where I will be appreciative of uh, forever. Uh, but... You know who else we should thank? Who? Stormbrew. Oh, yes, we should. They sponsor this podcast, and they... I'm uh, thankful for Stormbrew. Oh, yeah, and they're the official beer of the Carolina Hurricanes. Crisp Light Lager, made by our friends at R&D Brewing right here in Raleigh, North Carolina. 97 calories, 2.4 carbs per serving. You could sit down and have five or six of them. If you've got nowhere to go, be responsible. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Like a Sunday worth of football where you're not going to get off the couch except to go get another Stormbrew. Oh, yeah. Maybe even pack a cooler and just have it right next to the couch so you don't even have to give up. Oh, man. Just when I think that I have hit the lazy button, (laughs) Michael Smith off of the top rope. Or you could have them, you know, the weather's getting beautiful here. Fall weather in North Carolina. Could have them out by the grill. A crisp, light lager as you are grilling your afternoon meal on a weekend. Absolutely. Bring the neighbors over. Share it with them. Oh, yeah. R&D Stormbrew. Check out the new can design. Most major retailers in the Triangle. They also have Seven Saturdays. A couple new seltzer flavors, Isla Tropical and Isla Lemon Raspberry. Both delicious. And you love both of them. I do. of the Isla. And I love Stormbrew because Stormbrew is crispy and crushable. Crispy. Crispy. And you can get them at any of your local grocery store. So go pick them up. Thank you. Now, what did you want to get to? I wanted to get to. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Do you think that we're going to see the playoff format expanded? Yes. Take it. Yeah, I think so. And I think um, for for a number of reasons. I think if you have a shortened regular season, uh, this is a way to 
not really make whole the regular season, but you help augment the fact that you only have 48 games, 62 games, you know, where wherever it ends up. Um, I think it helps from, from just a, a game number standpoint. It's also going to help, too, from a financial standpoint because more teams are going to be able to uh, host playoff games, theoretically. And so that, uh, you know, in a time where the finances of a lot of teams are, you know, have slipped, you know, during this pandemic, that's going to help a lot. Um, And I think when you present it, when you present the schedule before the season begins, obviously, and then you say, okay, we're going to have an expanded playoff, whether it's like this year or slightly different, I don't think you would have as many complaints as you had this year because it's known going into the season that that that's the way it's going to be. So whether you have the play-in round, yep. whether you just have more teams in each conference make the playoffs, I do think we'll see an expanded playoffs again in the next season. I don't know if it expands beyond that, you know, into the into future seasons, but I do think the expanded playoffs will be back in 2021. Now, for you, do you want to see an expanded playoffs where everybody plays in an opening round or the best teams are rewarded with a buy into yeah. the next round. Like how, how would you, what in your world as we dive a little deeper down this rabbit hole is the right way to set that up for you? Because I think hockey is a little bit different than football where the time off, I don't necessarily think benefits the team that gets it. Mm-hmm. Whereas in football, you get that extra week, somebody can heal up, you get a week to prepare. You pretty much know who you're going to play, even though upsets happen and anything can happen in the NFL. But You've got your prep going anyway, and you're you're working towards that. Where hockey, it's clearly different. You don't know who you're going to play based on, you know, clearly bounces of the pucks and things that we saw. Just look at this year. Who had Montreal beating Pittsburgh? Yeah, not me. So that's why I don't know if there's a a perfect formula yet. But I'm, yeah. I'm with you. I think it's going to expand. The the difference the the round robin this year was somewhat necessary just so those teams could be playing hockey so that they wouldn't go into the first round of the playoffs completely cold. Now, did they try their hardest and and play their hardest in the round robin? I think we can all agree probably not. At least all teams didn't. Some teams might have. Um, So that wasn't a true, I think, replication of of what you're going to see in the playoffs, but it at least gave those teams some hockey, some competitive hockey to be played after such a long pause. The difference in next season, I think, is going to be maybe you give the division winners, the the winner from the Metro in the East and the Atlantic, a bye. And I think something like that is going to be incredibly useful after packing 48 games or, again, however many games you're going to play into such a short time period. That week off or week and a half off is going to be incredibly valuable for those teams. Um, and I don't, I think that, I, I think the allure of that and finishing in first and, and getting a qualifying round by or, or something yeah. um, would give to these teams something to play for until the very end of the season. So you're not going to have, I don't think, any, you know, decline in play. You're going to have these teams fighting until the very end to finish first. And then they're going to get that week, week and a half off to, to recoup, recover, um, and look ahead. Now, how many teams does it expand to? How many teams are involved in some sort of play-in? I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't really know if, if this 
season system is the best way to go about it. Um, but I do see some sort of merit for a, a, a buy for some okay. of the top finishing teams and some sort of play in for maybe not the wild card teams, but maybe a couple teams below there or something. And and then they have to face the team that had the buy. Something like that, I so think, like could make sense. Teams nine through twelve get an opportunity to play teams. What would that be? Five through eight. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I, you know, I'd have to look at the bracket and math it out and everything. But. How many games is ideal for you for that extra playoff round? I don't know if you can ask one team to play seven. Yeah, you know. What would it, it would be five seven game series? I don't know if you can ask a team to do that. That's a lot. I think. Um, well, I think the best of five works well. Okay. You know, if if you're gonna if you're going to expand the playoffs for a season, you know, you you, you do so with the knowledge that these teams at the bottom wouldn't have made the standard Stanley Cup playoffs anyway. So just giving them a chance, a best of five shot, kind of makes sense to me, but. You know, I from again, then you start considering the financial standpoints of that, and you might want the best of seven just so you could play two games in either city. I could also see the playoffs going to a two three two instead of the two two one one one, just because from a travel standpoint that might make more sense. But also, you know, hopefully by April, May, June of next year, we're in a much better position with this virus uh, than we are currently. So. A lot of factors that are going into it. Um, lots of question marks, lots of variables, lots of uh, moving targets. I know fans being in the building, again, is going to be a, a big sticking point for a lot of these teams because it just doesn't make sense to play without fans in the building from a financial standpoint. 100% correct. So there's going to have to be a way to at least have some fans in the building by puck drop on opening night, which is why I think puck drop is going to get moved to mid-January, late January, early February. And then hopefully by playoff time, maybe you can have more people in the building. I don't know. A lot remains to be seen. Um, but there are people working hard on every possibility behind the scenes. Um, and I think that's what the league and the PA is going to really turn their attention to um, in the coming weeks. Once the playoffs finish, once the draft finishes once you get through the first week or two of free agency attention is going to turn to next season and figuring out how you know we can pull it off again with the health and safety of um, players coaches staff fans with everyone in mind um, so a lot of work still to be done but but I do think we'll see expanded playoffs right, that's the I think one of the number one questions on the table are we going to see expanded playoffs I would ask, do you have a like it, take it? But I know you don't, and I know you didn't get any help on Twitter this week. Yeah, I was. Um, I thought I had one earlier in the podcast, but it's escaped my mind now. Yeah. It's just, it's Shameful. gone. Shameful is what yeah, it is. I know. Uh, I can't remember if it was about PR or team services. Well, if you like it, take it. If not, send it back. The Hurricanes PR department is the best in the league. Well, I'll take it. Boom. <laughs> With lots of reasons why. Thank you. Yes. Exactly. Well-deserving of that award. As Pace said, they've been runners-up now for two years. They were the Susan Lucci. So they finally been broke through. to drop that reference here on Gaines Cast. One, one right over my head. She was uh, 
she's a soap opera actress who like never won for like 20 years and then she finally won there you and go it was the acceptance speech that you would imagine so it's like leonardo dicaprio yeah yes there you go the leonardo dicaprio <laughs> although i don't know if there's like ever a runner-up for things by the way i didn't think that he deserved bill berniston i'm sorry just give me a second this is bill berniston coming to you live from the canes locker room i don't think he should have won for the revenant uh it, he was nominated for better things yes that's why yep it's one of those here we're just going to give it to you finally yep very deserving not a bad movie either mm. just not i was cheering for the bear to get the oscar <laughs> It's a fine movie. Nice soundtrack. Beautifully shot. Beautifully shot, shot, exactly. Beautifully shot. Cinematography, that's like uh, the True Grit remake that they made with Jeff Bridges. Same thing that the Coen brothers made. So gorgeous. Beautiful to look at. That's also a good movie. All right, there you go. Sorry, Bill. Just had to get that one out of the way. Had to get it out of the way. pop culture references. It happens from time to time. But yeah, Pace and the PR department do some great work here. And and we mentioned it earlier, too, a, a thankless job. Uh, the team service is part of it, especially, because it's only people only notice when things go wrong, right? When, when everything goes smoothly and, you know, we, we take off and we get to a city and we get to a hotel and, you know, the next day the meals yeah. are great and everything. Like, that doesn't go noticed. No, it it's goes, a thankless job. Right. It, it's another sport reference. It's the offensive line. Of hockey. Yeah. If you do your job, nobody congratulates you. But if you don't, everybody's going to let you know you didn't do your job. Yeah. So they do uh, some really good work Yeah, for all of us. All pros on the O-line in the PR staff, and there's no doubt about it. I have a, not a Mr. Farrell question for you. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. I guess I could frame this in this term. Well, why not? Let's just get a, let's just do away with instant replay in the NHL. Nope. Sending it back. Okay. I, I, I like it. I think it has a place in the game. Um are there tweaks that could be made? Absolutely. But I think, you know, when we have technology to try to get the play call right, I think it should be used. I agree. Now in saying and that there are I things do things that you can review and they won't review. Yes. And that's what's annoying to me. So I would much rather live with, well, we can't correct this, to, well, we have the capability of correcting it, but we haven't put it in the rule book, so we're not going to correct it. I, and I like replay. I Believe it or not, I am a fan of it, but this is a provocateur question. I hate that we watch play go on for a minute and a half and a team will score a goal and then we get the offside review. Like, you should... A coach should challenge it, like, right away. Stop the play. Have to toss a flag on the fine. ice right there. Stop the play. We think they're offsides. Yeah, I mean, the offside review is I mean, I problematic get it. for I, the number. I get it, especially when it's there have been some egregious offsides. Right. And they catch it, and I get it, but I hate that it sets up for, you know, when you have a shift for a minute and a half. Well, my problem then isn't that the play came in offsides. It's you didn't get the puck out of your own zone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, fine, it got in. And, and I know, shouldn't it not be a rule? But if it's one of those where the skate blade's a millimeter off of the ice and this is what we're reviewing. Which is going to change. I know. But I, I there's so many things that happen that if you watch it, and again, I'm in favor of, of instant replay. I If you asked me, I always take it. I just put it out here. Because I've seen so many things in these playoffs where I'm like, you can review that. It's it's clear as day. Why don't you just 
go to another official. I know that Rod Brindamore has stumped for this. Right. But like the other night um, in game four, when, um, or maybe it was game five. I think it was game five, actually. When, uh, when Dallas cleared the puck down the ice and it bounced off Vasilevsky's yeah. pad, and they called icing because they thought it went off the side of the net. But it didn't. It hit Vasilevsky. You right. can review that. How about Jamie Benn gets called for a, a trip, and they say you got your leg underneath him and pulled him back. Well, he did pull him back. I guess you could have. For me, I thought it was a penalty anyway, but it was the wrong call, and the ref was adamant that, no, your leg took him out, and the legs never had contact with each other. And then Braden Point got called for an embellishment when he got, you know, can opened, jackknifed, yeah, and I'm telling you, 100% of the human beings on planet Earth, if you are walking or running and somebody's behind you with a stick and they do to you what I think it was Jamie Alexiak who did it, does that to you, you're going to fall to the ground. That's not embellishment. Yeah. And, and that's why I, I've seen some of these things, and it's why I bring it up. I would rather have it for when there is a missed call to get it correct, but... I just think it gets so infuriating. You can go upstairs and look at that, and you can make it right, but we're not going to do it. Why? Because the game's going to be a little bit longer. You know, games already take a while, folks. Yeah, games are. They used to be, I feel like they used to be a hard two and a half hours. Now they're creeping up to the two-hour, 45-minute 45, mark. Yeah, they're in that window. But, but on, on the other end, if people are going to say, well, it's going to take so long for a review, or, you know, if we have all these replays, it's just, just going to stop and be choppy and this and that. Again, 60 seconds. If you look at a play and can't determine in 60 seconds to overrule the call. Yeah. Like, that to me is what replay should be. It is such a, a blatant missed call. 60 seconds, we pick it up. Okay, you made the wrong call. We're going to change it. All yeah. right, good. Done. Put them on the clock and go. Yeah. And if you get that right, maybe it leads to a, a power play that gives a team a goal and the game ends in regulation. Yeah, we're back to two and a half hours. Yeah, there's certainly some tweaks that uh, that could be made, but overall, I, you know, I I like, and every replay system is flawed sure. in some manner. And again, devil's advocate here. I just brought it up just because of those plays we pointed out in the finals, and then there have been a bunch more. Let's go back to the Bruin series. Tavo Teravainen's penalty. That's not a penalty. You can easily review that and be like, no, Tory Krug fell over his own feet. That's not a penalty. And that's why I and it's Tavo Teravine and he doesn't commit penalties. But that's why I go to the extremes of don't have it, or you know we keep it going the way that it is. I would if we keep it going the way that it is, and I know can I say it's nebulous? It's always changing, but I I could live with it was a mistake that can't be corrected versus we can correct it, but we choose not to. Yeah, I think the um. You know, if you open the door to the, and I guess the door is already open to an extent for penalties because they do review high sticks and just to make sure that they're, you know, correct in their double minor call. Um, they review, I think, major penalties too, just to make sure they're correct there. When you open the door to, I guess, reviewing every call, then could you challenge calls that should have been made? And when do you challenge those? Well, no, you can't. You can't challenge a call. Well, although when you say that, a call that should have been made. Yeah, if there's a high sticking that's missed, yes, you should be able to challenge that. Yeah, I think. I think the door. Especially just, if a guy is on the ice hurt and you're already in a break anyway, you'd be like, he got hit with a high stick. Right. Or how many times you see a high stick, 
and a guy gets a penalty, and it's either his teammate or his own stick that yeah. created it. Yeah. That's and you know, and it's a hard game to officiate. I'm not oh, yeah. blaming. I'm not blaming the officials for missing calls. Missing calls is it's part me, of the it's game. Part of the game, right? That, but and then you chose to correct it, and you're not correcting things that are easily correct. It's just like umpires in baseball. Like we shouldn't go to a robotic oh. strike zone or whatever because umpires that the human part of the game is what makes it. To me, is part of what makes it the sport you can't go to a robotic strike zone because everybody's strike zone is different yeah in as perfect examples michael smith and i if we get in the batter's box my strike zone is different than michael smith's strike zone yeah and so part of the game of baseball is for the pitcher to figure out where the umpire's strike zone yeah. is that day yeah and that you know it adds a little wrinkle to to the game i'm six three how tall are you five seven on a good day okay so we don't have the same strike zone. If, right. if everybody wants to talk about it's used to be the armpits or the letters of the uniform. Yeah. And well, they would say to the belt buckle, but to the knees. Yeah. I have a, compared to Michael Smith, my strike zone is the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Well, the robotic strike zone would theoretically be able to adjust batter to batter. But it, it can't because <laughs> the strike zone is supposed to be universal. Yeah. And so that's why for you, I'm, I'm with the human part of it. Yeah. And what it, happens if it, if the lens fogs up? Well, then what? Now we have chaos. There would probably be a fix for that. Yeah. But the human part of the game is 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 what makes the game great. Which is what makes all sports great because everybody's human. Yeah. The Players quarterback are make is mistakes. human. Coaches are going to make mistakes. The goalies Refs human. make mistakes. Yes. Yeah. Mistakes are going to happen. And humans are inherently flawed. Wow, that's deep. Yeah, it's just like this podcast. It's inherently flawed because there are humans behind the microphone. Before we even say hi. Hi. That's not flawed, though. No, that's brilliant. Wanted to make sure we got that one in. Jones. Felt that we were lacking in that uh, category today. Yeah. All right. Free agency. We're going to start dabbling into it. We're going to get closer to it. In particular, next week, it's the draft where we should have the director of player development for the Carolina Hurricanes. Yes, Darren York joins us to talk all things draft um, next Monday on Canescast, so be sure to tune into that. Uh, really to, to set the table for what... Uh, Director of player personnel. What will happen Let me on, correct myself on that one. Being inherently flawed. That's good. Uh, he'll sort of set the table for what to expect on, on Tuesday and Wednesday, the midweek special draft this year. I like it. That's... Yeah, Whatever. I like it. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really matter because it, it it's virtual. You know, you're virtual anyway, so yeah. it's not, um, you know, you're not filling the stands with fans or anything. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be different. going to be a, a pretty unique experience. We'll dive into all the specifics next week. Um, but that's that's the big thing coming up. And then, of course, free agency opens at noon on October 9th. Yep. And I think... Do you think it's going to be... Absolute insanity on October 9th, or it's going to be the slow play. Everybody's going to sit and wait. Yeah, I kind of think it's going to be slow played a little bit. I mean, you you see some teams now, like you know the Rangers trying to clear some money off the books by trading Mark Stahl to Detroit for basically nothing for nothing. Future consideration. Future consideration. They, they basically traded Mark Stahl in his contract and a second round pick to clear cap space. Correct. 
the future consideration is probably going to be like a six round pick. I don't even know who keeps track of that. Like, is there someone in Detroit who's like, oh, we, we need to collect on this? Well, have we cleared up the compensation for Sammy Vatman? Um, I don't think so. I know the Hurricanes have eight picks in this draft. Not sure if one of them went to New Jersey or not. Maybe. The Hurricanes have a couple from Toronto. They have a seventh-round pick from Toronto. Uh, they have a second-rounder from New York. And uh, a fifth or a sixth from Buffalo um, Here are that the they got in picks. the Jeff Skinner trade. The Canes have a third from Buffalo, sorry. A third from Buffalo. The Canes have Toronto's pick, which is the 13th overall in the first round. Yep. They have two picks in the second round. The Rangers One pick. from the Rangers. In their own. They have the Sabres' third-round pick. Pick 69. The Canes, nice. The Canes have their own fourth-round pick. They have the Montreal Canadiens' fifth-round pick. No pick in the sixth round. And they have a seventh-round pick, which is their own, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yep. 199 and 208 in the seventh round. Check New Jersey. The Hurricanes uh, made 12 picks last year in New Jersey, because, or excuse me, last year in Vancouver, because they did a lot of wheeling and dealing on the draft floor to to maybe trade a pick that was coming up for a pair below it. So they went into the weekend with t- 10 picks, ended up making 12. According to Cap Friendly, the New Jersey Devils have the Carolina Hurricanes third-round pick. Well, that would make sense because the Hurricanes do not have their own third-round pick. So there you go. Sammy Vatanen did play in 70% or whatever the water the yeah. mark was for playoff games because he played in he all played, of the Hurricanes played, playoff games. He played the... Entirety of the Rangers series. And I think he played every game but one of the Bruins series. I think he played them all. He was uh, he was a scratch. In the Rangers? Mm-hmm. The Bruins series, I believe, game one. I blocked it out of my memory. How dare you. <laughs> now I'm going to have to it's go. Months ago, a memory wipe. Now I'm going to have to go look again. I don't mind it. We'll do this for you. Is there any other question that you have? A rule that you'd like to see eliminated? Yeah, he didn't play in game one. Yeah. You're correct. I'm remembering now. He was actually, he was going to play in game yes. one. And then game one got moved. Game one got moved yep. and he didn't play. Uh, he had an illness. That is right. He was unfit to play with an illness. It happens. So, But he would play, he would have played in game one uh, had it not been moved. Yes. Yeah, the yeah. next day. But it was because... Hockey. That's what happens when you play a lot of games on one sheet of ice. Something like that was bound to happen. <laughs> I'm surprised it only happened once, to be honest with you. I'm sorry. I'm just laughing at the uh, the tone of your voice as you're saying this. So it's, it's, it's good, but it's reminding me of Ron Burgundy. Feel that. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. That's what we're here for. Just making sure it is game one. Yeah, it was game one. Thank you. It was for sure game one. Okay. See, I have my moments of clarity. So, yeah, he... Um, yeah, he did not play in game one. So, he met whatever marks were required He played for that. 90% of the Canes' playoff games. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with him in free agency. Because I think if... The Hurricanes would like to have him back, I think. But it kind of depends on where his number's at. And if uh, there's another team that comes calling and, you know, presents him with something that he can't turn down, then he'll probably sign with that team. Yeah. But if if the market isn't what he thinks it's going to be, then 
Might see him back in a Hurricanes uniform. Well, again, that's why I'm going to be very curious who gets scooped up the first day of free agency. And if you're the Carolina Hurricanes, you have committed for the 2021 season about $25 million to your blue line. In Dougie Hamilton, Jacob Slavin, Brady Shea, Jake Gardner, and Brett Pesci. So you've got $25 million. If the cap is going to be set at $70 million, right? That's what we're looking at. That's what the projections are supposedly going to be. Um, you got to figure out where you're going to spend some money. You got to replace a forward up front, maybe two. Don't know what's going to happen with the goaltending situation, and you would like to get maybe one more defenseman. But I think Hayden Fleury is going to resign, and I think Jake Bean's going to be part of the picture for whatever the the 2021 season will look like when we finally get to it. So just some questions that are out there. Maybe we'll have the answers. We know we'll have the answers on October 9th. I talked to Don Waddell last week, and he said this is the busiest he's been as a general manager after the end of the playoffs. I believe it. Now, in saying that, only one deal has happened so far with the Hurricanes. Joel Edmondson heading to Montreal for a fifth rounder. but And then Montreal signing Joel Edmondson to right. a four-year deal. So a lot of chatter, no moves just yet. But he said two days after he left the bubble, so late in August, he said there hasn't been a day that's gone by that he hasn't touched base with at least one general manager. Most days it's multiple. So lots of chatter out there, lots of teams interested. If you think about it, there are so many teams that have to get under the salary cap, yeah. make themselves a little bit more comfortable to do some things. Again, the Rangers deal that we've just highlighted yep. was a money move. You've got teams that have a bunch of cap space that can, I guess, make relief if they want to, but can they get something to sweeten the deal, be draft picks or prospects from somebody else? It's going to be, I'm going to say from October 1st until October 9th, and that clearly involves the NHL draft, we might see the most player movement we've ever seen in the NHL, meaning players moving from team to team. Maybe. Just to, just to clear out cap space. Yeah. I don't know. At the same time, there are just so many teams pressed right up against the cap that uh, I don't know. Because the, the other, the X factor in all of this is the teams that are financially looking to take money off the books because of the financial hit of the pandemic. So that, that plays into it as well. So that's why I'm not, it's, but that's why I think we can see so many players move. Yeah. I I also think that could make it so that players don't move because teams looking to clear money off the books don't have any takers. I think it could go either way, or we could just have a totally normal, (laughs) You know, right down the middle, what we've seen every year sort of thing. I'm, I'm anticipating a lot. It I could don't know, be busy. I don't know if it's going to be super splashy. Like, I don't know if we're going to have, like, monster trades, you know, like a blockbuster, like we used to have back in the day, a blockbuster, you know, five for five kind of deal. But I think we just might see a lot of, okay, fourth defenseman gets traded to Team X, who then moves a third line forward for a draft pick. I, I just think we're going to see a lot of that not shuffling deck chairs, but contracts getting moved. Like we have too much money, one team, we have too much money on the blue line. So we're going to move that money out and we're going to replace it with money up front. 
yeah. in the forwards or the goaltender. That's where I think we're going to see and why we're going to see so much movement. And maybe we're going to see a lot of players because of of where the money is. A lot of veteran players get freezed out because teams aren't going to want to pay top dollar for veteran players. It's going to be interesting. So stay tuned. Yeah, please do. And that'll do that. Will that will that do it for this edition of the the Canes cast? We got to talk manscaped. Oh, we that's going to bring that up. I was going to say we're going to trim some things. We're talking about trimming rosters. Yeah. Might as well talk about this, my friend. It's time to throw on your team sweater and make sure you don't take a hit below the waist because our partners at Manscaped are here. Save your boys from taking a hit. So you stay clean and take care of yourself where it matters most. Manscaped is here to shoot a top corner beauty and deliver the best tools for your below-the-waist grooming experience. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months. That's a year and a half, Michael. I don't know if I've ever spent 18 months on anything in my life. This podcast. That's about it. <laughs> but, like, not every day. That's clearly correct, yeah. Clearly not perfecting it if they listen. <laughs> the way that Manscaped has perfected their trimmer. It's the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. Yeah, and the Lawnmower 3.0 is part of the Perfect Package 3.0 that also comes with a Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the Preserver, and anti-chafing deodorant. Uh, and the Reviver is a spray-on toner. And... We have the perfect package yes, 3.0 at our houses and um, makes a great gift. Seriously. Oh, it really does. Yeah. With, with the, the travel bag and the, the boxers that come with it. Um, it truly is the perfect package. It really is. If you're looking to get something for that person who's hard to get things for, all you have to do is go to manscaped.com and right now you're going to get 20% off in free shipping. Can't 20% beat it. off in free shipping just by using the code canes. That's C A N. ES, use the code CANES at manscaped.com to take advantage of this limited time offer for the Manscaped All-Star lineup, and you get to try it for yourself. This hockey season, upgrade your blue line and choose Manscaped for your most important male grooming needs. Promo code CANES at manscaped.com. Thank you. Yes. You'll thank us and thank Manscaped later for all of that. Yes, exactly. So we're clear. All right, Mr. Smith, we are clear now. We are. Good job. It's time to get out of here. We got to get ready for the draft because that's what we're going to be talking about next week when Darren York is going to join us and we will find out exactly what's going on for, I would have to think everybody in the National Hockey League trying to figure out how we're going to deal with a virtual draft. Yep. So we will see what Darren York has to say is he will join us next week. That'll be episode 143 of the Canes cast. Yes, it will. But that'll do it for episode 142 for the webs, Michael Smith. And TV's Mike Maniscalco. We'll talk to you next week. Moi moi. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this <laughs> podcast.